Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. You know, if you are listening to this podcast, have listened to this podcast for a little while, and uh, you're the person in the audience who likes more of the in-depth financial retirement planning discussion, uh, I think we have two segments, two types of audience uh, listeners out there. We have the basic, uh, you know, you're getting out of debt, you're budgeting, you're trying to make sure you're doing the right moves early on in your in your DIY money journey. Bravo. We're going to keep uh, providing content for that. This is the best day of my life. Some of you, however, are in that, well, what about, you know, backdoor Ross or dividend income strategies, et cetera, et cetera. We have the Nest Egg YouTube uh, video series that you can find on our Jewel Financial YouTube channel. So just type in Jewel, J-O-U-L-E, Financial. It is also going to be a podcast whenever we get around to doing that. So that's going to be a podcast. It'll have its own audio. Uh, but you also can find it on our site, jewelfinancial.com. Uh, but it's a great podcast talking more market-related information. It goes out to clients and so forth. So if that's something that interests you, that's where you can find that information. Daniel, we're well into the new year now. How are these? Uh, how are these goals? I was listening to a podcast you and Logan did. The two things I picked up: you wanted to travel more, and you were going to do a one day, like just bike an epic climb cycle, or yeah. something like ridiculous. Yeah, I'm glad you do goal. that, like in your garage, and like we're not going to lose you. Like, well, I mean, we might do it on the road. Oh, we'll see. Where would you go to? You said you wanted to ride the equivalent of climbing of the elevation the of Everest. Everest. Yeah, and you looked it up, and it was a lot. Yeah, it's a common thing among cyclists. It's it a is. big challenge uh, that you undertake, which is pointless. Well, no, not and necessarily. Challenging, People really. Is. I'm following a gal on Twitter right now who's running a hundred ultras back in a in a row every day. A hundred days of ultras. Hundred days of fifty k's. Oh, yeah, it's a world record. That sounds terrible. It's amazing. I'm very inspired. I have not. I mean, I've run two ultras. In sounds my life, okay but... for the first week, and then somewhere in the middle of that. What I like is just she does her updates. Inevitably, she stops for food once or twice, and so she like power, powers down like a breakfast sandwich or something. Let me have a Diablo sandwich, a Dr Pepper, make it fast. I'm gonna murder. It's kind of fun. How long does each one take? You think? Uh, seven or eight hours is what she's doing them in. It's just a three month well, job of running, too, and it's gotten the weather's gotten nasty, and she's doing it every day. It's impressive. Hmm. I have a newfound respect for you though, because I am facing. My uh, first injury in a very long time, I pulled a hamstring. Ugh, it's so frustrating. It's one of these deep, like, interior hamstring pulls that goes next to my knee. So it's not just, like, the big hamstring muscle. It's this, whatever, I don't even know. There's Sounds a name terrible. For it. it is terrible. So I haven't been able to run. Well, I ran today for the first time in a long time. But I have been doing cycling exercises. They're miserable. Like cycling strength exercise or like on the bike? Just on the bike. Oh. On the bike, not like a bicycle, but a cycle, like a spin. Sure, okay. And I hate them. Can't stand them. Hate them. I hate them. You used to love spin class. Spin class is different than going to the gym, sitting solo on a spinning bike, uh. and trying to spin out for 45 minutes. I hate it. Can't stand it. So, you know, heck or high water, I'm back to running. 
It gets better after two hours. Mm. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> All right, we have a uh, we have an interesting question today that is going to allow us to go back to you and Logan had a, a question about making the thirteenth payment on uh, the mortgage, which was a great podcast. Uh, and we've had questions, previous question from Katie, uh, which we started to dive into. You know, again, paying off debt, mortgage debt, and so forth. This is there just is no when when we work with people in our office there's no there's nothing that's set in stone when it comes to a mortgage. So I mean Dave Ramsey is just he's adamant you should pay off your mortgage. Like that is what you should do. I don't necessarily fall into that camp. Now I paid off my mortgage. So I believe that for me it was in my best interest to do so, but I don't believe that's true for everybody. I believe there's a psychological aspect to it. I don't believe that it's as strong a psychological aspect as other debt, so student loan, credit card, store card, auto loans, etc. So we'll touch on that. But this is an interesting question regarding uh, interest rates, home appreciation, investing, etc. From Nitin, what do you got? D-I-Y! Hi, DIY Money. This is Nitin from South Carolina. I have a follow-up question regarding paying off the mortgage early versus investing in the market. I understand the rationale about staying liquid, but my question is about the logic of making interest versus interest savings. The question is, should we be considering that a house is a theoretically appreciating asset? In other words, if I make about 6% investing in the market versus paying off a 3% interest rate, does the math change if my home is projected to appreciate 3%? Is that 6% versus 6% or am I missing something? Thanks for the great podcast. Happy New Year. Okay, Nitin, um, you're introducing the appreciation uh, variable with the real estate, which we rarely introduce when we're talking about paying off the mortgage because it remains constant no matter what, whether you have a mortgage or not. Now, it doesn't remain constant in the sense that it's always going to appreciate. I think people have become accustomed, even after 08 and 09, which I think is fascinating, to just believe that real estate always goes up, up and up forever, and that's not always the case. That being said, if you are, let's say, running out a scenario of paying off a mortgage versus uh, investing the amount the appreciation rate on the real estate stays the same regardless. So if you have $100,000 uh, in, invested, $200,000, whatever, in a home, and you are running out the value of that home going up 3% every year, at the end of 30 years, when you go to sell that home, theoretically, whether you had a mortgage on it or you invested or whatever, the home is worth 3% compounded over 30 years. So it does not change. Now, why... We could have answered that in two minutes and just been done with this question. Or I could have emailed you back and said, well, you know, it doesn't change. It remains constant. But why did I bring this question out? Because I want to broach the subject again about paying off mortgages. We're in an environment now where uh, markets are down. We had a terrible 2022. In fact, uh, while the S&P 500 was down close to 20%, 19-something, and it basically marked, you know, a, a bad year, not like the worst year, not, you know, any metric regarding how oh, terrible equities were, et cetera. However, a 60-40, meaning 60% stocks, 40% bonds, a conservative positioned diversified account was down on average 
uh, the worst it's been since like 1937. So we're talking about a, uh, in most cases, a terrible year for a diversified asset allocated investor. I mean, just terrible. So what does that mean? That means that a lot of people, and how do I know this? Because we're talking to them every day. A lot of people go through a year like that and they're going, why would I ever carry a mortgage when I can just take money out of my retirement account or my investment account and pay it off? Now, in most instances, if we have that conversation from the beginning, when we sit with someone and they say, well, we really want to pay off the mortgage and we really want to get that done, and it's a unemotional sort of, you know, it's, it's, in, their, it's in their fabric, it's, it's, it's woven into who they are to be debt-free or whatever— we support that wholeheartedly, and we try to help them to make an educated uh, plan to do just that. When, however, it is in response to a decline in the market, and the emotional uh, idea is to sell investments to pay off a debt, that is precisely why I share with people how important it is to pay off debt, especially ancillary debt, prior to investing. So you don't have an emotional response. So we're in this environment right now where people, I, I just talked to one the other day and middle of middle to the end of last year, they, they decided, you know what, we're going to just pay off this two and a quarter uh, mortgage and just be done with it. Fast forward now. And, and she said to me just yesterday, well, I now feel cash poor. I, that was the dumbest thing. I should, I shouldn't, should not have done that. I could have had that cash. I could have put it in treasuries, yielding four and a half. And it was money sitting in a bank. I mean, it wasn't even like in stocks. It was just money sitting in the bank. And she's kicking herself. But she made an emotional decision at the time that in hindsight, now when the emotion has kind of waned, was not a prudent decision. So what I want to talk about, hopefully, Nitin, we answered your question, um, that the appreciation rate stays constant whether you pay it off or not. But I want to kick around a little bit some variables to consider when it comes to mortgage debt. So, Daniel, when you're talking to someone about their mortgage, you know what is it that you consider before or while you're planning in regards to paying down that mortgage? Because we're not in the camp. We're not like Dave Ramsey and we go, oh, you know, step number one. You know, get your emergency fund. Step number two, pay off your house. Like, we're not in that camp. So what are the sure. things you consider when you're talking to people about that? Well, I think for Nitin and for all of our DIY money listeners, it's important to realize that your job as sort of the CEO of your life is to give your dollars a place to go. Uh, so dollars come into your checking account, and it's your job to optimize those wherever they go. You might buy some consumer assets. That's basically, you know, destroying those dollars and so that you can have fun or enjoy life or just sustain life. Destroying the, wow, your kids we destroy must love dollars. You, you took yeah. your allowance and you destroyed it buying that I mean, Economically, that's not really <laughs> what we're doing. We're <laughs> kind of you know okay. creating yeah. GDP, blah funny. blah blah. But whatever, you know, you're you're not using those uh, necessarily productively. Uh, maybe putting a roof over your head, etc., is good sustaining life. You can uh, pay down debt. Uh, you can invest those. You can leave them in your checking account where they just earn nothing. Uh, so when it comes to looking at something like a mortgage, what we're really trying to figure out is, is that for your plan, the best place for your dollars to go right now? And so 
if somebody can pay off their mortgage in a lump sum, then considering what we talked about in last episode, a lot of times it can be a good strategy to sort of finalize the getting out of debt journey, being totally out of debt, and then having the freedom to invest, uh, to have flexibility, et cetera, to live a debt-free lifestyle. Uh, But you can... You can look at those two scenarios very uh, plainly because you have, you know, hundreds of thousand dollars or whatever's left on your mortgage and cash sitting in the checking account. And you can go, is the mortgage at this rate worth paying off, or are there other opportunities for this cash? Considering if we move it over into the mortgage, we're going to re- now not have that mortgage payment, which we'll be able to save, but it'll take years and years to basically restore that. Where it gets tricky when we're looking at plans is should I make extra on my mortgage payment every month in order to pay down my mortgage sooner, especially considering that most people will stay in their house somewhere between, let's say, five to 10 years and never actually pay off their mortgage anyhow until they actually sell the house. Uh, Very rare is it that somebody gets a 30-year mortgage and they'll pay on it for 20 to 30 years and pay it off naturally. Most people are going to pay off a mortgage via a sell of their house. And so by paying extra on the mortgage every month, all you're really doing is taking a dollar that's in your bank account that could be invested or put somewhere else, moving that into reducing your loan balance, which is effectively increasing your home equity, your home equity being the value of your home minus your loan balance. So you're just adding to the home equity. You talked about earlier at the top of the show, the appreciation on that equity is going to happen regardless of whether or not there's a loan on it. So the dollars moving into home equity really don't help you in your overall financial plan. What it does do is tie up, say, a dollar or a hundred dollars that you made extra on that payment into that fixed rate of home equity appreciation rather than anywhere else you could go. It's also hard to tap that. So if you lose your job next year or now in 2023, and you've made a year's worth, say in 2022, of extra payments, $500 a month, we'll say, that's $6,000 for the year. Now you lose your job. You don't get to call your bank and go, hey, I made those extra payments, so how about we skip a few payments on my home loan? Sometimes good people do bad things, Lois. You can finish the dishes, and then I got to take you in. They're expecting you to make the same fixed payment every month still. And so it really removes that element of flexibility that you could otherwise have by saving up that balance outside of it. So what we've talked about on the show before, we've talked about it's not always best to really build up that equity in your home until you're at a point that you can you can pay it off. And that's the reason. I'm going to try to articulate something. Uh, if I can do it, I think it'll be it'll sound very wise. <laughs> it's in my brain. I'm, I'm game for you to try. I, I think... The, the wisest investors I know allow events and circumstances to inform future decisions. They never allow them to be the catalyst for decisions at the time. Yeah. For example, I got into business shortly after college, and I had witnessed... Personally, in 1987, as a 10-year-old, I had witnessed a stock market crash and a dramatic change in our lifestyle in that given year. That informed future decisions for me 
to really give me an unhealthy view of debt. And the reason is, is because I realized very quickly that when you had debt and you had a situation transpire, that hindered you from maybe being flexible. It mandated that you you know, sold something to pay it off or whatever it may be. And I learned that, that if you didn't have that, and situations transpired, you you were better off. Maybe you didn't you didn't lose a house, or you didn't do. We didn't lose our house, but you know, you, you don't you don't lose a house. You don't whatever, but you also then can take advantage of the opportunities that present themselves. Now, I didn't you know going through oh eight and oh nine for example. Um, I still had debt. I still had you know we were building a business. Still situations. I knew that that was one of the instances similar to 87, but I didn't look at that and go, oh, you know what? I can't be in business for myself. I need to go get a job. This is ridiculous. I, I didn't do that because I knew, okay, this too shall pass, etc. But I allowed the environment to inform decisions for the future, knowing that one of my primary goals, my wife and I, was to be completely debt-free, mortgage included. So that allowed us to set a goal, an objective. And I think what I would summarize what we're saying in all of this is when you start on your financial journey, take the situations that you've gone through, the experiences that you've been through, et cetera, and maybe you've got some filters, maybe you've got some things, some views of money that you need to work on that maybe aren't healthy, you know, aversions. We meet people every once in a while that just will never buy a stock because, you know, their grandfather went broke and, you know, he got swindled and so they're, you know, they're just never going to, you know, and that's not healthy, I don't think. So they may have to kind of work on that. But take these experiences, take these history lessons that you've gone through and, help, and, and allow them to, to help you shape and determine your goals and your objectives and then go after those goals and objectives. If it's paying off a mortgage, then pay off a mortgage. If it's retiring at 45, then retire at 45. If it's becoming a multi-gazillionaire, then become a multi I mean, If it's starting a business, I mean, whatever it is, set the goals and the objectives accordingly and then go forward. If you ever find yourself in a situation and you're going, oh, my goodness, this external thing is happening, markets in decline, COVID, lost my job, whatever it may be, unbelievable opportunity that somebody brought my way, and I'm going to now change my plan, that's where the caution flags have to go up. They have to go up, and, and maybe you need a counselor, you know, a wise counsel, somebody that you talk to, a friend, whatever it may be, to say, you know what, I'm thinking about, I had this goal of investing and building up, and we were okay with the mortgage, but now I look at my account statement, it's down 20%, and I'm just thinking about cashing out and paying off my mortgage. What do you think? And hopefully you have somebody wise in your life that says, no, wait a second, what, what changed in your, in your goals and your objectives from 10 years ago? Well, the market's down. Okay, but... When you were setting this goal, did you not think the market was ever going to be down? Like, that doesn't make sense. Do you think the market's going to come back? Well, yeah, the market will come back. Well, then why would you change your plan because of this current situation? So we see, I, I cannot, I, I'm going to finalize by saying this. Whenever I meet with somebody, whenever we talk to somebody and set up a plan, the only time a plan is derailed is that when somebody makes an emotional decision that doesn't correlate with the original intentions of the plan. That's it. I've not seen anything else. And that emotional decision could be, you know, making a poor selling decision or a buying decision. I've seen that too. Oh, we want, we just had to have this RV or we just had to have this vacation home or we just had to go on this or I just had to keep supporting my kid. No, you didn't. 
You didn't have to do any of that. So Nitin, I think at the end of the day, I know this is, you asked for a watch and we told you how to build the factory, but basically all of these decisions you know, can be established from the beginning, thought well thought out, planned accordingly, set your trajectory, set it in motion, and just go forward. It's as simple as that. And again, as we tag the show every day, or every time we do the show, do it for a very, very long time. All right. Anything else you want to add? Yeah, I think there's instances where your plan can be derailed or, or hit snafus, but that doesn't mean that you don't continue to execute and move in the right direction. You talked about that with your hamstring injury. I mean, you're not running right now. Your plan was to run, uh, but you're getting on the bike and you're still executing and moving in the direction you want to go until uh, the time transpires to where you can execute exactly the plan that you want to do. And so people who might face, say, a job loss or something like that, sure, your your execution may shift, but you don't derail the entire plan, the trajectory, and where you're trying to go because you hit some adversity. Well said. Let's end it right there. Remember, the secret to wealth is pretty simple. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest. Do so for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get a $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.